The Virginia governor's race is under the national spotlight as media outlets look to it as a predictor for upcoming federal races. But what are the issues that are important to families right here in the Commonwealth? And how will this race affect them? We're gonna talk about that today. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, you've been spending a bizarre amount of time on the road lately, as evidenced by the fact that today you're wearing flip-flops with your business suit. So let's just talk about some of the crazy things that being on the road so much this week has made you do. Yeah, I have to be honest, I might be scheduling myself a little bit too tightly to the point where I found myself having to find a rest stop on an interstate to sit out and pull out my computer and do a Zoom call. Like I do a lot of meetings on the phone while I'm driving because I'm trying to fit everything in. But every once in a while, you realize, ooh, I calendared that while I'm driving, and I have to present. I have to visually share my screen. So, And that usually works out okay. I will tell you one time I had that happen where I didn't realize that I really had to be on the computer, not just driving, and it's pouring down rain. So the other day when I was at the rest stop, beautiful weather, no problem. This was, so I tried to go into the back of a, like a, a fast food place, you know, that just, I thought, yeah. oh, it'll be quiet. It was sort of a weird off hour. And it was the pandemic. Everything was closed. So I'm in my car in the pouring rain. You can hear the rain hitting the rooftop. So it, it needs to be planned a little better than sometimes I do. All right. Well, I'm going to take a hard turn here. And I just have to continue my little series about weird things in the news that concern me for no really good reason. But they just feel like those things that are out of control out there in the world. And I don't know if you've seen this thing about uh, what they call this Havana sickness, where apparently spies and uh, U.S. diplomats are being targeted with these like sonic radar type signals. I mean, <laughs> they've had serious illnesses. It's, no. it, it causes damage to their brain. It's really I, no, crazy. I haven't seen that, but I did recently see a James Bond movie that that sort of sounds like that's kind of creepy when the actual film industry collides with real life. That's this disturbing. Happened in James Bond? Yeah, they have. They always target people, and I can't give away too many details. But yeah, the new James Bond is worth seeing but that really sounds kind of creepy all right well i i just keep trying to remind myself that even though all these freaky things are happening out there and china's testing nuclear weapons and we have sonic radars aimed at people god is still in control and we our story does not end here right we we have an eternal perspective <laughs> yeah these things are uh, interesting to read about and you hope they don't come too close to home but thankfully we have a a, a higher power and i, I believe that god will yeah. You know, God will uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> well, on that note, let's head right into this election season analysis that we're going to offer you today. I find this election season really fascinating because of the historic role that Virginia is playing in sending signals to the rest of the nation. Uh, with my journalism background, I just think that's really exciting to be a part of. But it's also very sobering at the same time because so much of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis here at the Family Foundation, what we are defending, the values we're defending every day is really at stake in this election. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, Virginia, every year is an election year, so it's a little bit, but this is the big one, right? So we've got the most offices, so you see the most commercials, you get the most mail. Um, and yeah, actually, our issues are always just deeply at stake because they're, they're passion issues. People feel strongly and there's deep divides on them. But what's interesting in particular here is that we're seeing that they're actually front and center in the campaigns, which is not always the case. Parental rights is just forefront, as is the life issue keeps coming up, too. So those aren't always as top of mind and in the, the headlines as they are in these, this particular election. 
Yeah, usually things like abortion and parental rights get buried in these races. So it is interesting how they've gone right to the top. And it's also fascinating, as I was saying, to see how the rest of the nation is watching what happens here. For instance, you had to get up at the ungodly hour of 5 a.m. to do an interview for Fox and Friends the other day. What did they want to talk about? They actually, it's actually that issue they wanted to talk about. They were they were interviewing on why McAuliffe was all of a sudden bringing the life issue up to the front and center and trying to make that a big deal. And what's funny about that is it's to avoid the parental rights issue. He's doing that to avoid another one of our issues. So it's kind of funny to see our issues sort of headed off at each other. Thank you, McAuliffe, for yeah. bringing both of That's fine. We'd like people issues. to be thinking about those when they go to the polls. Well, this is all getting right down to the wire with the election less than a week away. and. Now, what's interesting is we have an action team that engages in a lot of door-to-door voter education efforts, and they're getting a close-up view of what's really on voters' minds. Yeah, early on, if you talk to people on our team or people that were out there at the doors, they would say, oh, the economy, pandemic, and education. Well, guess what? Uh, The other day, our team literally said pretty much the only thing they're hearing about at the door is education and parental rights issues, which is fascinating that it's actually taken such a role. Yeah, far and away, education and schools, the biggest thing these people are talking about when they open that front door. Um, What is it exactly, though? Kind of dive into that for us. What are they exactly concerned about with schools? Well, we knew they were going to be concerned that in a lot of places, their kids didn't even get to go to in-person school. So we knew that was going to be on the table. But now on the forefront are things like critical race theory, that they're aware now there's this stuff, there's this politics and this uh, these political agendas in school. And then they're also aware of these issues over transgender bathrooms and the fact that we're now having these policies that jeopardize the safety of their own child. So there's really a lot of things at play. And they know that parents are being boxed out of school board meetings. What do you think is cutting across party lines with education issues? What do you think both sides of the political aisle are concerned about? Moms are moms everywhere, whether you're a left mom or a right mom, a red mom, a blue mom, whatever it is. That interest in your child is unparalleled, and you will do anything to protect your kid. And so it is interesting to me that schools, when you talk about what's going on there, everybody's watching, everybody's paying attention, everybody cares. And especially, I think, when you insult parents and you say they don't matter, they shouldn't be involved, it doesn't matter why that parent's involved in the life of their child, they're offended. You know, saying they don't belong, essentially. I mean, that that was McAuliffe's statement in the debate was just that there's no real, that that they really shouldn't be um, driving their child's education. And then the Secretary of Education, we've talked about this before, you know, kind of piled onto that. And so I think that gets everybody up in arms. So you think parental rights is an issue that can draw from both sides of the political aisle or independence? Absolutely. I really do. And I already knew that the the in-person education was drawing left, right. I mean, that absolutely... um, People that didn't have their kids in school that felt that their kids had a loss of educational achievement, um, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. That's that's a problem. Well, a secondary issue that we're hearing about door to door is also the economy. Um, What are people concerned about here in Virginia with that? Well, it's been, I would say, a long time since people visually saw how the economy is stalling out. When you visually you, you go to the gas pump and you see those higher prices. You go into the grocery stores. I was kind of shocked yesterday. I mean, I walked in a grocery store. There's just a lot of empty shelves. So there's supply chain issues. There's pricing issues. And people are feeling it in a very real way in their pocketbook. And I, I think the elites, sort of the, the D.C. you know, politicians, and all, they don't realize how much that affects. People are on tight budgets. And, you know, if you're spending $50 at the gas tank every week, you're feeling that. 
Yeah, I was at a gas station yesterday hearing people griping about it with not too choice language. So <laughs> I think it's definitely resonating. Um, interestingly, also here in Richmond, there's a casino issue. And a lot of voters we talk to in person don't even know it's on the ballot, right? Yeah, this is a little bit frustrating to be part of an effort trying to stop this casino from coming because, of course, people wind up in addiction and it harms families. And yet a lot of folks think it's already kind of a done deal because the, the casino people come in with all these billboards and all these. I mean, just it, they just pound. They are everywhere. They are everywhere. And so people think it's a fait complete that it's already here. It's coming. It's just a matter of being built. And in fact, no, they can stop it. We found 73% of those that we had hit at the door just had no clue. And what's interesting is it's actually on the backside of the ballot. So people have to actually flip their ballot over mm. only for the casino issue oh, really? to vote. So this is kind of fascinating. How many people are going to flip that ballot and which side is going to be flipping the ballot? So we're trying to inform our people, turn it over and vote no. Oh, very interesting. That could be decided very slimly then. Well, you hear candidates talk about, I want to be the first name on the ballot. I never thought about literally being the only thing on a backside of a ballot. That is a little bit interesting. But that means it can be decided by a very small amount of people who are that in turn the know, their ballot over. Or who happen to flip it over because for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, that brings up the fact that there are issues on there like the casino that although they're not national matters or top of mind, um, it's just as important. And so I think it's worth mentioning there's a lot more than just the governor's race involved here. Oh, absolutely. We hope people realize that, you know, all the commercials, most of the stuff you're seeing is about the governor's race. But there's a lieutenant governor that breaks ties in the Senate and has a real voice in our government. We have an attorney general up for grabs. And that we know has been huge. Our attorney general has been leading the cause nationally on some of our issues on the wrong side. And so people need to know that position is really important. And then there's an entire House of Delegates. So that's your... That's your elected official that comes to the state level government with the closest tie to your neighborhood. They have they are the most aware of the things that matter to you. OK, I think it's fascinating when you share how I think you talked about before how the lieutenant governor was a tiebreaker vote in this abortion issue. Just break that down for us real quick. Yeah, sometimes people look at party uh, control of a body. So the, our Senate happens to be 21 Democrats, 19 Republicans, and they think that that's what it means for an abortion issue. But actually, incidentally, we have one Democrat in Virginia who's been voting pro-life. And so actually, when you have an abortion issue, so far, those votes have been 20-20. And so literally, that means the, the lieutenant governor who presides over the Senate gets to make that determining decision. And so we can't just look at partisan divide sometimes. We have to actually look at how do they vote on the issues and realize that there are more players at stake, like the lieutenant governor. Yeah, so that's why these other offices are important. And that tiebreaker vote, by the way, was what brought in some of the worst uh, abortion policy that we've had in a long time. Yeah, it, so it, it, it repealed, could go, it yeah. repealed, you know, 50 years of pro-life policy with one vote that was a tie-breaking vote. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, House of Delegates, real quick, why should we care about that? Well, I will tell you, some of the craziest, most left-wing, terrible policy has been originating in the House of Delegates lately. So that's one reason to care. And the other is that any piece of the, the wheel can block the process, right? So if you just get a good House of Delegates, they can block bad legislation and it'll be over. If you get a good House of Delegates, for example, you put a pro-life piece of legislation there, it goes over to that Thai Senate, you get a good lieutenant governor, now you're talking, you're making progress on the life issue. So yeah. um, the House of Delegates really matters. Um, and they often are the ones that go through the details of the bills. And I hate to say it, but details do matter. So those committees are important. These are all pieces that fit together. They're part of the checks and balances that our founders intended. And now it's our responsibility to be educated and, and vote with uh, an, an awareness of how they matter.
Well, the good news is we do have something to help make it easier for people to understand that process, and that is our easy-to-use, nonpartisan tools to help educate voters on where all these candidates stand on biblical issues that we care about, like life and marriage and parental rights. But before we get into that, let's just touch a little more deeply on some of these issues that we are concerned about as Christians and how the election impacts them specifically. Let's just start with marriage. Well, uh, Virginia hasn't been on the right track on the marriage issue for quite some time. Um, We, as you know, the court has told us we have to allow same-sex marriage, but it's worse than that. There is a constitutional amendment that was put forward to change our, our state constitution, and what it would do is it was not only going to repeal the wonderful traditional marriage statement that we have in our constitution, it was going to rewrite it. And the rewrite included things that wasn't just simply we're going to allow same-sex marriage. It was we're going to respect and consider equal all marriages of all parties. And it didn't even limit it to the number two. So we're talking about, you know, are we going to open the door to polygamy? These are things, it's a two-year process. And so the next House of Delegates and next Senate gets to vote on this and they could stop it. So these marriage issues really do come down to this election. So one thing clearly at stake here is whether we're going to continue down this road of completely redefining marriage in the state and becoming opening it up to a California type thing um, to something where we're on the road to allowing or legitimizing at a state level. Things like thruples that you may have heard about have been in the news uh, in the news with three men, you know, adopting children and wanting to be considered equivalent to marriage. Um, (laughs) That's what we're opening the door up uh, for here. And that's what's at stake. And if, like, uh, we are seeing happening movement toward overturning Roe v. Wade, um, if that ever did happen with the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage, uh, if our state, you know, had taken away wording protecting traditional marriage, that leaves us in a vulnerable position. So that's another reason this is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about we've got a Supreme Court decision that could move the ball forward for the life issue. We want to be a state that's ready and poised to make progress there, not have elected people that uh, are going to head it in the other opposite direction. If it becomes states' rights and we really can control that issue from top to bottom, we want to make sure people that value human life are in the driver's seat. Absolutely. Well, I want to hit on a couple of other issues that people aren't talking about in the media but are, are going to hugely impact our state. And one of those is what I like to call government subsidizing of human vices for the sake of more money to spend, tax money to spend. And I think that can apply to the unprecedented gambling expansion and legalization of drugs that we are seeing trying to be pushed here. What's at stake if we fail to put some checks on that through this election right now? Well, we have seen a disturbing trend in our government of allowing new forms of, um, we'll just call them recreation, although I think that's a, a sort of a misnomer, but in gambling and marijuana. And it's we've already allowed sports gambling. We've allowed casinos. And I will tell you, all they're seeing as elected officials is they're seeing we're going to take a cut. We're going to get a, there's going to be a marijuana tax if we legalize that. We're going to take a cut off of this gambling. So when everybody gambles, when they get their prizes, we're going to get our tax money. And it is so short-sighted because in the meantime, these families break down. Addiction absolutely devastates. People lose their jobs. They lose their families. And we end up paying for that because we end up putting them on government services. So it's very short-sighted to think the revenue is going to outpace what we're actually going to spend. In fact, gambling, it's usually $3 are spent for every $1 of taxes. It's so maddening. It's so the opposite way of what God would want for a healthy society. I mean, for a healthy society, we would want to encourage family businesses, local businesses, people using stewardship, 
instead we're seeing all this undermine like you talked about with the inflation uh, with people you know not going back to work and we're encouraging instead trying to get income as a state instead of healthy businesses trying to get it from basically cannibalizing off of people's worst addictions and proclivities and that just shows you where we're headed as a society and that's why Christians need to be invested in being that voice to you know at the ballot box on where this should be going well we tend to move we've tended to move in this direction of this idea of individualism that somehow someone's bad choices don't affect others so people say live and let live if somebody wants to go gamble let them do it. It's not our job. The only problem is that's not the case. We're in a society. People are in families and their behavior absolutely affects everyone around them. So the goal is simply to say, let's help them choose good choices. So let's not put all of the vices that that we all know as human beings, sinful people, we are you can be drawn to. Let's not put them out in spades and, and draw people into um, really crashing their own lives. Yeah. Government has a responsibility to incentivize healthy choices. That is the goal. Not, yeah. But they figured out how to make money on not good choices. And that's right. the challenge. They can make more easy money that way. Well, moving on, I do want to get back to this easy to use resource we mentioned, our 2021 voter guide that people can get for free. It's online now at vavoterguide.com. Victoria, walk us through real quick how to use this voter guide. Yeah, well, it is totally nonpartisan, so it's easy for churches to use. And so we've already, I mean, we've thousands and thousands are out in churches right now. But actually, at this stage of the game, it might be easier for people to go on that website, vavoterguide.com, and grab it there. But it just shows you the side-by-side -side comparison of the candidates. So you can, what do they believe on life, marriage, all these issues, and you can just literally scan all these offices and decide who aligns with your own values. Yeah, you use different tools to obtain their stances, like a questionnaire and information on their party platform and public uh, statements or votes that they've made in the past, right? That's all where this information comes yeah, we, from. Yeah, we give them a chance to tell us what they think. If they don't tell us, we go looking. They've said it somewhere. So our job is simply, and some of them have voted on these issues. So our job is simply to gather that information, put it in one place, because people are trying to make their way through campaign spin. I mean, you know, the commercials, the, the literature, I hate to say it, but it doesn't always seem as forthright as it actually should be. So that's, that's what we're trying to provide for people. That's fabulous. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Just when you thought someone like Dr. Fauci or Andrew Cuomo might win the title for king of political spin, it turns out that we might have a school superintendent right here in Virginia who could be in the running for this title. That's right. Last week, we talked about how Loudoun County School Board Superintendent Scott Ziegler had clearly said in a school board meeting that there were no records of sexual assault in school bathrooms. And yet he said this despite the fact that weeks earlier, the police had shown up for exactly that, a sexual assault in a bathroom. And now this is very interesting. So we, first of all, this only came to light because the dad of the child actually went public. So now we all know this happened. But now we've even got the email where the superintendent actually emailed the entire school board to tell them that this incident had happened. And yet he's in this meeting saying there were no sexual assaults. Unbelievable. That is totally crazy because you have this liberal school board member setting him up to say there's no record. And they all knew. Uh, she apparently. must have known. They had all gotten notice, apparently. So 
I just think that further exposes how deep the total disrespect runs for these parents in that school district and others across the state and nation. And that's why this is resonating so powerfully at a national level. That's why it's a national story, because people are resonating with this disres- uh, disrespect that parents feel from their school officials oftentimes. And now in the aftermath of all this, we have a Loudoun County School Board member, Beth Bartz, resign. But it looks like Superintendent Ziegler is really trying to save his skin with an apology. Yeah, that's right. It's And what a spectacle of smoke and mirrors. I mean, this is ridiculous. He started out by apologizing for, quote, failing to provide the safe, welcoming, and affirming environment that we all aspire to provide. But then it seemed like he just started blaming the problem on other things like federal law and procedures and started talking about how it was really just all a misunderstanding and that he misunderstood and thought the question was about transgender and fluid students. It's unbelievable. Let's just listen to that for a minute. Lastly, I want to speak to my comments at the, board, at the June 22nd board meeting related to bathrooms. Board member Bartz asked a question about discipline incidents in bathrooms that I wrongly interpreted as incidents involving transgender and gender gender fluid students. Okay, there are so many problems with that statement. First of all, I don't think how an attacker may or may not describe their identity changes the actual fact of whether the attack happened or not. So I don't know why he's trying to kind of camp out on, oh, I thought this was about transgender and gender fluid Uh, students. No, you still, Mr. Ziegler, clearly stated that there were no records of sexual assaults in the bathrooms. It was a yes or no question, and you answered no. So let's just for good measure play that same clip we featured last time of him saying that there weren't any. Do we have assaults in our bathrooms or our locker rooms regularly? I would hope not, but I would like clarification. To my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Yeah, I definitely think this is a case when your own words testify against you. But it's also ridiculous that we've all heard the report saying this alleged attacker was wearing female clothing and was reported as identifying as gender fluid by the people involved in the whole thing. So I'm not even sure what logical point the superintendent was trying to make other than trying to just throw more smoke and mirrors into the issue, like I said. Well, I guess we have to give this week's inconceivable award to Loudoun County Superintendent Scott Ziegler for misleading the public while apologizing for misleading the public. But in all seriousness, kudos to these parents for holding these school board officials accountable and winning. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.